The Comedy Club. The Comedy Club. The Comedy Club. The Comedy Club. On BBC Radio for Extra. Now, six years after the creation of the incredible On The Hour, Chris Morris returned to radio with this dark, subversive and rather provocative comedy with repeated strong language. It was originally broadcast in 1997 in the middle of the night over on Radio 1 and has never been broadcast since till now. Here it is, Blue Jam. on third side, the inside. inside. When you fly so wingish speed, then thwack, e path be glass, and broke beak slump on ground all quiver pigeon, while rattles rub hands in the shadow. He sings so full with bursting soul, he heart fly out of mouth, and then bashed be biff by all with ears, who cry, shut, shut, shut it up, oo cackamuffin. Then welcome, hmm, oo woof welcome, in blue jam, blue jam, blue jam. muscles under my arm here mm-hmm. lifted a crate awkwardly yes. so it was all right till this morning I woke up and mm-hmm. can't move this shoulder at all now so. right it's just round right here is it yeah I see right well um, what I think I'm going to do with this is I'm going to, I'm going to do it over the phone okay um, just stay there while I go next door I'll ring through and you pick up the phone okay all right right I'll speak to you in a minute Right, now tell me exactly where the pain is. Um, no, no, could you just hang on a moment? Look, um, could you keep your voice down? Because I can hear you through the door. There's no point in my doing this over the phone if I can hear you through the door, is there? Right, yeah. Okay, just, just keep your voice down. Yeah. All right. So, uh, when did this happen? Oh, look, sorry, um, th- this isn't a very good line. Um, th- why don't you call me back? Yeah, it's 3.02. Thanks. Hello, Bart Green Health Centre. Sorry, who is this? Paul Meek. Well, I can't see you now. I'm with a patient. Look, is this an emergency? Well, then come in on Thursday morning. 
Hello? Hello? Yeah. Oh, can you hang on a minute? I'm on the phone. Yeah, but I was Hello? just wondering if it would be easier. Hello? Yeah, could you just wait outside? Hello? Oh, sleep back as well. Hello? Oh, there you are. Uh, right, 10 o'clock on Thursday, okay? Good. Okay, well, I'll see you then. And um, can you go through the reception next time? I'm not the secretary. Right here, bye-bye. So, uh, what's the story? I have to come back Thursday. Okay, then I'll see you then. I was just wondering if you could just give me a... ten o'clock. Right. Um... Yes? Day before yesterday, I picked my car up for a garage. Geezer says, over there, mate, keys in the ignition. And I look, I cannot bloody believe it. The car is only four foot long. I said, I said what's this? He goes, it's your car. I said, what do you mean it's my fucking car? He said, oh, that was what it was like when you drove it in here. Now I said, don't fuck me about. How did I drive that in? It's only two foot six tall. He goes, you must have put on some weight. I thought I was going fucking mad. Then the manager comes out. I said, what the fuck's going on here? I said, I paid good money for this. He goes, what's wrong with it? I said, what do you mean what's fucking wrong with it? I said, look at the size of it. He goes, what? I said, it's only about four fucking foot long. What the fuck have you done to it? Then he says, oh, well, that's how it came in. He goes, I particularly remember that one because I used to have one myself. A fucking four-foot Vauxhall carton. Oh, fucking yes. And I said, is that it then? 
I said, is that why I have to drive away? And I said, it's your car, take it or leave it, it's up to you. So I, I just had to fucking squeeze into it, didn't I? Fucking knees round me ears. And it's four fucking foot car, it's only two foot six tall. I mean, what am I, fucking noddy? I haven't actually spoken to them for about five years. I don't know where they've gone. You know, that's obviously something I'm looking into. Thank you. 
three hours talking to a guy I used to work with called Ian before I realized he wasn't Ian at all and I was in the wrong pub by that stage he was very cross he poked me in the chest and asked me if I was some kind of puppy squeezer I didn't know what he meant he had me thrown out for it I walked the street until I came to a doorway where I used to lean when I was married to a wife. I think I've forgotten her name now. No, I haven't. It was Rosalind. Hmm. Yes, I have. I had intended to empty the pub out of my bladder here, but the doorway was lit up and surrounded by film cameras. Hydraulic pistons poked out of the side of the building. A beautiful girl sat where I used to lean, holding a bunch of leaves to her face and inhaling deeply while an assistant applied makeup to her nose and teeth. Next to her, an elephant was being made up too. It wore a special jacket with fireworks attached. Grey foundation was being applied to its trunk. The model was asking if the elephant had been given its breakfast. She said it shouldn't be expected to do this work without eating homeopathically fireproofing seeds. She'd insisted on it in her contract. She got up, put her arms around its trunk and said let there be peace among mammoths. Some models use cigarettes, some use heroin. My bladder was conker hard and big as a saucepan. A girl came up and asked me if I was with the elephant. I looked at the elephant, and I looked at her and wished she was a lavatory. She handed me a script. It said, Location Shoot, the Eden Current Account. Behind me a man started bawling into his hand. It crackled with sounds of obedience. He was the director. After ten minutes he was ready for someone to tell his assistant to say action and the model became immediately concerned about the cameras and asked if they were meat-free. The director slowly explained that this was a spiritualized camera in which the lenses were made of glass, not meat. I think she felt better. The cameras rolled again. The model started chewing the leaves and smoke poured from the doorway behind her. In the script it said, Ignite Elephant. A man lit the elephant and it walked forwards with fireworks going off on its back. As it passed the model, a squib shot off and landed in her intricate cinnamon hat. The script made no mention of this. Aromatic flames sprouted in the bark. Some of the crew wanted to stop filming. Others wanted to tell her to look out as she was still lost to her leaves. A skirmish between horror and fascination broke out on the director's face. With a sudden pang of decision, he ordered half the cameras to stop and the other half to keep rolling and screamed, somebody help the bitch but not yet, 
at the same time leaping up and down and slamming himself in the balls. The model realized she was on fire. She scrambled to her feet, tripped and dived under the elephant, where she thrashed around magnificently. The stupefied animal urinated like a burst lorry and put her head out. The elephant was still on fire. The model looked at me from the middle of her steaming lake. Something in her eyes spoke to my bladder. Suddenly I too was pissing like a king all over the animal's flaming back and ears. I continued to empty for a full two minutes after the fires had gone out. As they wheeled the model to the ambulance, one of her assistants asked me over. This is the man who put out the elephant, they said. She pulled a strand of damp hair from her eyes. Thanks to you, I'm going to give all this up. I nodded. I'm going to dedicate my life to abused elephants. Maybe when I save them, they will teach things to men, like Sarah taught you about putting out fire with the natural aquas of belly. I wanted to tell her how gorgeous she was, even when moist and smelling of damp compost. You stink of piss and you're thick as shitty jam, I said. As I left, I found a man sitting on the ground with his head in his hands. You're sad, I said, indicating his face. He pointed to a mass of hydraulics. I was supposed to make the building smile with my pistons. The Eden account makes buildings smile. As he scrunched disconsolately at the gravel, I stood on one of his hands.
I want to dance. Can you help me? And so, to the top ten cocky slivers pruning the bum fluff in the nation's spaz garage. I want to dance. Can you help me? Straight off the plane at number ten, Gloop Mongy Mong with Fat Weeping Bitch. The tribute to the Wu-Tang's geezer recorded in case he was shot and released last week by mistake. I want to dance. Can you help me? Still retching at nine, you have no idea how wide my eyes can get. That's the Oh Christ He's Using Tire Levers version from Gunproof Grandad. That features Keith Prodigy eating an unopened tin of rice. Absolutely no move at number seven. It's up three for the Portillo Heads, Give Me a Professional Neck, mixed by themselves and then unmixed by DJ Mrs. Clark from Egham. Down 14 at number six, it's the Raljex tin with Did God Just Fart on My Decks? Great ambient clown remix of that too. Now, it's been in and out of the number five position all year, this one. It's the current size of India and putting me in mind of attractive women. And you won't find a better example of mad face than that. Good to see DJ Neutrino back in the chart. He's at number four with his part of Random Sodomy Collective doing their version of the Feldporis classic Manhattan is my wristwatch. Killer sample in there too from the 70s floor filler Burl's a Swinger. A controversial number three this week, since it's really only number 11. It's the guy who invented large armed house, puffy cousin and renegade trip shop with sorry about the concrete, you should be able to walk out of your first floor window once it sits. That's already a classic plantain. Number two, DJ Mumps with his historic premix of this year's as yet unrecorded Christmas number one, Bobby Williams' mum singing, we've got the builders in. And so, yet again, it's straight in at number one for the third week running. And there's been real heavy rotation for this particular Pringle. It's DJ spammed in with runny sneeze and totally impervious to Mandelson. So who said suburban plum and suitcase was dead?
Yeah, I was just cashing up last Tuesday, and this bloke comes into the shop. He uh, comes out the counter and he says he's got this gun in his stomach, and uh, it's pointing straight at my head, and I stand over the money. I, mean, I just I thought it was another nutter in off the street. Then he pulls this weird face, and it was a mighty bang. And then the bloke standing just behind him, old fella, falls over with this bullet in his neck. Meanwhile, he's just standing there, the bloke with the gun in his stomach, is just off his back, blown out all over the place, and he's just shouting, shit, 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 over, and he was furious. Even after all The murdering Even after all You're suffering so You know I love you so You know I love you so and so Even after all I'll let you go on Sir, it's the order of the day And I'll let you believe Sir, it's the order in this society So and so 
this morning. Perhaps you'd like a coffee? Uh, yes, black please, no sugar. I'll just let Mr. Ryland know you're waiting. Excellent, excellent. Please, have a seat. Right, so what area was it? Uh, it's a London number, um, P.J. Perrin. It's Foster Walk in Chiswick. Right, let's see. Uh, Perrin. Oh, yes. Here's your number. 0181 995 
1732. Right. Thanks very much. Always a pleasure. Goodbye then. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Mellon. Goodbye, Mr. Bateman. Goodbye.
She just wouldn't move out. Even I become extremely unhappy with the way that she was breaking the lodger's agreement with regard to the use of lights in her room. I do like them to turn off the lights that are in the part of the room that they're not actually in at that time. I insist on that, otherwise I can't keep the rent so low. It's very difficult. And it makes me unhappy to sit and watch a tenant on the video monitor, that I have a monitor in each room, uh, just to ensure proper conduct in the house. They don't actually know about them, but that's part of the tenant's agreement I have with myself and it does make me unhappy to sit there and watch them breaking this house rule. Now this girl in my view was also having too many guests. I don't mind any number of guests in what I call moderation. Uh, most of my tenants don't actually have so many as it happens. Certainly overnight guests are extremely rare but I do have a rule with myself again that if they do have an overnight guest then I'll turn the video off but uh, it does seem to me that most of them prefer to masturbate. But this girl had what I felt was one too many guests and she really wasn't fitting in with the house in general she was creating a bad atmosphere so I told her quite civilly but she refused to take the hint and I am extremely civil in all my dealings with my tenants there's only been one unpleasant incident in 27 years and that was when I had a chap who'd been in the secret service and he used to sit in his room stare out the window straight onto a brick wall all day and he'd actually asked for a room with a view of a brick wall and I'd given him one I mean, it was harmless enough, but he used to slide down the banisters in quite a disruptive way, and I thought in the end the best thing would be if I shot him. And I did that with the cooperation of the Home Office. You know, they had a lot of trouble with him as well. They tried to scrub his brain with a wire brush, but you can't be sure. So he ended up taking an assisted dive down the stairwell. I mean, but that was in the 60s. You couldn't do that now. I wasn't going to do that with this girl. I was being very civil with this girl, but she wasn't moving out. And eventually I gave her an ultimatum, and I said, if you're not out by next weekend, I will have to evict you formally. And she said, oh, I have my rights. And I thought, well, we're getting into a bit of a mess here. So I just waited until the Sunday night and she hadn't gone. And I could see she was asleep on the video monitor. So I went down to her room. I do have a key for each room, just for the odd occasion I have to sluice them out. And I went in and I tiptoed to the bottom of her bed and lifted up her bedclothes and took out a scalpel, a very sharp scalpel. I used to be a medical student. And I slivered the thinnest possible layer of skin from the bottom of her foot and it just came away like a sort of silk insole and I took it out and I put it under a shrub and the next morning I looked at her, she looked at me and there was no kind of vibe at all, you know, it was all very pleasant and the next night I did exactly the same thing took another very thin sliver of skin off the bottom of her foot and I did that again and again and again every night until three months later I went in there and she wasn't there at all and I went out and I looked under the shrub and she wasn't there either and that's how I get rid of any tenant who doesn't want to leave now.
mental condition is not particularly encouraging. She certainly had a major breakdown, but I'm afraid that's just the start. It will lead to increasingly distressing behavior. She'll fail to recognize you, she'll lose control of her body. We find it very exciting when we're having sex to have someone there pretending to be a psychiatrist who diagnoses one of us as severely mentally ill. But I have to say, within a very short time, she'll be almost permanently deranged. We once went courting in the canteen of an asylum. In short, she's degenerated into schizophrenia and there's very little Full with bursting soul, ye heart fly out of mouth, 
and then bashed be biff by all with ears who cry shut 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 it up o cackamuffin then welcome hmm o woof welcome in blue jam blue jam blue jam blue jam Blue Jam starred Chris Morris, Julia Davis, Mark Heap, David Cann, Michael St. John and Kevin Eldon. It was written by Chris Morris, Robert Katz and Peter Bainham. And there's more Blue Jam next week.